Uh, playoffs? I'm talking about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Hey! Hey! I, I, hey! We call the f- plays, all right? Hey, we gotta run the ball. ball. Down Let me pass. Watch. Watch. We'll run the ball. Can we run it? Down down there? Down there? Can we run it? Down yeah, there? Jeff. Down. We will. All right. We call pass plays. Block. I truly have enjoyed being your quarterback. Welcome back to an episode of Indiana Legends. I'm your host, John Ashworth, joined by my my co-host, Kevin Bowen of 1070 The Fan. Kevin, how's it going? Good, man. Yeah, recording this on election day, so hopefully the country is still alive by the time that we... Uh, that uh, all of our listeners tune into this, but, uh, but yeah, man. Yeah, I, I I told Kevin earlier we might be like the last surviving podcast. You know, the country's going to be in <laughs> flames, and we're going to be still talking about uh, Peyton Manning's <laughs> career and all yeah. these uh, nostalgic Indiana sports legends. Um, I, I think Peyton is one candidate that uh, the vast majority of the country could could get behind. I agree. I landslide Indiana victory. I, I know he's got right. he's got a lot of uh, Tennessee votes. Um, he might be a, he might have a future in politics. Yeah, I know he didn't play in the major electoral states, but yeah, Tennessee, Denver, and Indiana, we we could chalk up to him. And uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe he wouldn't get the New England states as much as uh, <laughs> yeah as uh, some other QBs would. Um, well, if you listen to episode one, we've we've been breaking down. Uh, Peyton Manning's career for the Colts, and we we wanted to do it justice, so we broke it into two parts. In part one, we looked at his rookie season through the 2005 season, and again, I didn't want to come off too harsh. I kind of went back and listened, and it kind of looked like I was bashing Peyton, and I really wasn't. Um, We were really just trying to examine those early years in his career, and Again, uh, there were quite a few you know, playoff losses, and, and there were a lot of questions about could he get over the hump. And it kind of brings me back to a famous movie quote. Uh, I, I really love the Dark Knight Batman series. And you know, in one of those movies, Alfred says, why do we fall down, Mr. Wayne? So we can learn to pick ourselves back up again. So again, it kind of reminds me, you know, those early failures might have set up Peyton for some more success that we're going to hit on in episode or part two. I love that. Sounds like I think we plastered in the Decatur Central home locker room right there. That 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 quote. So that's a good one. And, and you know, in all seriousness, yeah, it's, I think we touched on it a little bit last pod, but like this is not just some linear line of success um, for NFL quarterbacks, especially yeah. when it comes to success in the postseason. And you know, Brady Mahomes can kind of skew just how easy. It can be, but, you know, you look at Rodgers, you know, I think a lot of people really expect him to have more Super Bowls than, than, than he's had and things like that. So, yeah, definitely some um, some playoff, mostly bumps in the road. But And, and then, you know, you obviously had a big, you know, big um, offseason move here with, you know, Edron James leaving in 2005 and Joseph Adai being a first-round pick and whatnot. And just how would this team react from another, you know, crushing playoff loss? was a huge storyline entering this 2006 season. Yeah, and that will segue us into 2006, um, the Super Bowl year. Um, Manning opens up the season 2006 on Sunday night football against the New York Giants and his brother Eli. 
Um, this is the first game, I think, in NFL history where two brothers were opposing quarterbacks. Um, so kind of seen as like the Manning Bowls, this big opening game to the 2006 season, and the Colts are able to win 26-21. to 21. So a, a big opening game win for Peyton over his younger brother. Um, and, and that kind of set the tone for a good season. I, I think that opening win against Eli and the Giants uh, set the tone. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting, John, a few weeks back, uh, I think just like during the pandemic, you know, when they were playing old games, they played that week one game, uh, Peyton versus Eli on NFL Network. And I went back and watched, I, I only watched the opening series, but Peyton's just precision, uh, you know, it's probably the first time I've watched, you know, really a Peyton game in depth, you know, for at least a handful of years, especially him in his prime. And just the precision he had on that opening drive, just flawless, in full command, making big time throws right up and down the field, all of that. So it, it's kind of funny, um, you know, certainly a lot of hype around that game and whatnot. But, um, you know, just seeing Peyton was another reminder of just how great of a quarterback he was and how, you know, in today's college football world and even high school world where, all these quarterbacks are just looking to the sidelines and reading a big old board and figuring out, you know, having a coach tell them who to throw it to or where to look. It's so robotic, so analytical. You know, Peyton is able to really dissect things and have full control of that offense. Yeah, not to tie it into a basketball reference, but, um, you know, Peyton and LeBron are in the same category for me in terms of just the cerebral you know, player, um, you know, Manning could just get to the line, you know, he's calling different options. He's, he's audibling. He's, he, just like you said, the precision to just tear apart defenses. And no matter what you do, you run a zone, you run man, he's going to pick you apart. And, and I think he's one of those players that defensive coordinators just feared. I mean, just when they woke up and they saw that they got to go against Peyton Manning and the Colts, you know, they're just losing sleep thinking about how they're going to stop this guy. So, um, you know, I think another notable with this season uh, in 2006, uh, it's the second straight season where Manning uh, gets a win over the Patriots. Um, so, again, he he goes and, and beats New England, and the Colts are the last unbeaten team. They start off the season 9-0. and So getting that early foundation, kind of getting over the hump, and I, and I think that, that win over the Patriots – uh, it sets up later in the playoffs to be a pretty, pretty big event. Yeah, it, it's, um, and we'll get into this more when we talk about the postseason, but while neither of these teams got the bye in the playoffs, they did end up meeting the AC title game, and it was at the RCA Dome because of this win. You know, the Colts were able to you know, get, I think it was the three seed, and I want to say New England was the four seed, and that's why you were able to, again, get that home field game uh, in week, uh, uh, or in the AFC title game. So, um, yeah, I think it's more confidence. And, and I also think we, we take for granted, like, like you just said, John, they were the last NFL unbeaten at 9-0. and And they did it for a second straight season. Of, and they're going to do it again in 2009. I know they, they, they get off to a great start. Like, just these unbelievable records to start seasons of no complacency, even though they had the, you know, playoff struggles and never really impacted how they were able to handle the regular season. So, yeah, 9-0 start was, was big, even though they did hit a pretty big hurdle in the last you know chunk of the season. Yeah, last six games, they go on a little bit of a skid. They lose four of their last six. 
but they do finish 12 and four second place in the division, but they do get a, uh, you know, into the playoffs Manning finished the regular season, uh, 4,300 passing yards, league leading, league leading 31 passing touchdowns and another passer rating of 101, which was the highest in the league for the third year in a row. Um, and Manning helped the offense set an NFL record for third down conversion, 56% conversion rate. Just ridiculous. 56, 56% they got a first down on third down. So kind of crazy to think about these stats. Um, as we get into the playoffs, um, the Colts open up the wild card round. They play the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, now Manning... He's 30 for 38, but he throws three interceptions. Um, but the Colts is kind of a sloppy game. End up winning 23 to eight. Shut down Larry Johnson in that uh, in that first playoff game. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Larry Johnson. Uh, maybe, maybe it's Priest Holmes. But um, yeah, just a great effort in that wild card round. And I think a trend you'll start to see is this postseason run. Um, John is. Manny not at his best by any means. And this defense is really starting to show up. And probably the biggest storyline of the season was, you know, Bob Sanders, if I'm not mistaken, I think he played the first two games of the year and then only played two other games until the playoffs. But yet, he gets healthy for the postseason and the Colts have just allowed a ton of rushing yards late in the year. They got killed in the loss to Jacksonville late in the season. And yet, they get Sanders back. I think they put Rob Morris in the starting lineup, if I'm not mistaken, either. And all of a sudden, the defense just totally takes it up a notch. And, I mean, to hold any NFL team to less than, you know, 10 points, especially a playoff team, um, and when, you know, you overcome a 300-session game from your, you know, first out Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, that's kind of the trend of this postseason run of, not great individually for Manning, especially in comparison to his other playoff games or certainly his regular season resume. And yet your defense, which had always been the issue with, you know, they, they made an in-season trade for Booker McFarland. That was a big deal as well. And their defense really carried them. Um, I would say through three of the four games, and then, you know, you're able to win a shootout in the AFC title game. Yeah, looking back on this defense, there, there was some crazy stat. I don't want to butcher this, but I want to say that they averaged giving up 175 yards a game on the ground through the season. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, you're going to the playoffs. That's not what you want to. That's not what you want to see going into the playoffs. And then, like you said, getting Bob Sanders back again, a defensive player of the year type caliber guy to help you stop the run, just made such a big difference. And you really see it not only against the Chiefs, but you see it in the next game. Um, the Colts, I believe they have to go to Baltimore. So they go to Baltimore right. to face the Ravens. And this was just, uh, I could argue, this is one of the best Ravens teams we've ever seen. Just unbelievable defense. And there's a story that Rex Ryan has. Rex Ryan was the, I think he was the D coordinator, wasn't he, for the for the Ravens at this point? That's- Sounds right, yeah. Um, so Rex Ryan, you know, he's talking to Ed Reed and he's talking to, to Ray Lewis and these guys, and he's like, I promise if we don't let Peyton Manning score a touchdown, if we don't give up a passing touchdown, we will beat them. We'll win. He's like, I guarantee it. And he's just promising them all week if they do that. Well, the problem was 
they did that. They held they held the Colts to 15 points on five field goals, but the Baltimore offense was nowhere to be found, and the Colts end up winning 15 to six. It was just a sloppy, you know, defensive battle. Peyton ends the game 15 for 30 with only 170 yards and two interceptions. It shows you, hey, the Colts defense steps up and and. Uh, it really takes a team to to win, you know, and going on these runs in the playoffs. Yeah, it definitely does. And again, to go what eight points in the first game and six in the second, um, just unheard of for an NFL team to do that, especially against you know two playoff teams. But um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't the prettiest looking thing by any means. But to go on the road, Adam Vinatieri, you know, hitting five field goals. You know, he was brought in this season. You know, you you had Vanderjack. You know, gone after that just horrific shank of all shanks against Pittsburgh in the previous playoffs. So, um, yeah, it, it was, uh, you know, just survive in advance. You know, Absolutely. You always hear a lot from NCAA tournament time, and it's certainly apparent uh, here. It, it's something to where, oh, wow, you're able to, you know, shut down the Chiefs run game in the first round and then to go on the road and can you carry your defense kind of with you, um, that was a huge, huge part of it as well. And then as all that was happening during the divisional round, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Colts-Ravens would play on Saturday, and then you had the Patriots-Chargers, uh, and the Chargers were the one seed that year uh, playing on Sunday. So now the Colts look at it and say, you know, if the Chargers somehow lose to the Patriots, then you're hosting an AFC title game. And that had been – kind of the missing ingredient. You know, you got to the AFC title game in 2003, but you hadn't had that. That was a Fox throw. Now it's set up to where, oh, my gosh, even though you didn't get the bye, you could still play the Patriots at home, which obviously is the ultimate Hollywood trip. Absolutely, and, and totally agree with you. Sometimes on these championship runs, I don't want to call it luck, but things have to align for you. You have to get some things that go your way. And I think two things that go the Colts' way, the Patriots end up winning, so now the Colts get to host. And then just getting that win over Baltimore uh, was just big. You didn't play your best, but as coaches always say, hey, a win's a win's a win. You'll take it any way you can get it. And that leads us to the AFC Championship game 2006 at the RCA Dome, the Patriots versus the Colts. What's your memories from this game? What what really stands out to you? Um, you know, outside of maybe the the large deficit at the beginning, uh, does anything stand out to you, or or what are your memories from this game? Yeah, you know, I remember a couple fat guys scoring touchdowns. That's always kind of a fun fun part of the game. Dan Colecco, I think, scored for the Colts. Oh man! Um, in, in that game, uh, as a fullback, uh, I think just. Saturday maybe recovered a fumble in this game. I think that that was that as well. But um, you know, I, I did radio for a few years with Jim Sorgi, and he was you know the the backup to Peyton. You know, during so much so many of these years, and he tells a great story about Peyton following through and kind of hitting the guy's helmet somewhat late in this game, and comes over the sidelines and his thumbs bleeding a decent amount. I think it's right before the last year. His thumbs bleeding a good amount. He tells Sorgi to warm up. And I mean, wow! <laughs> you talk about a fist down your leg moment of yeah. like, oh my gosh, am I really about to, to have to do this <laughs> and go in there? And, and, and obviously, you imagine what Peyton's thinking. Like, you know, this is my resume. This is everything. Yeah. You know, we just saw it with the, with the World Series. 
you know, Clayton Kershaw and all of that, just finally adding that bullet point to your resume. But Peyton goes back out there. You know, Gostowski, I think it was, was the Patriots kicker. They kick a field goal to go up 34-31. And then it's, you know, Peyton's time, you know, down three late in that game. And, you know, obviously orchestrates, you know, one of the most memorable drives really in NFL history, certainly in the Colts franchise history, to, you know, be down 21-3 at one point. And then Joseph the die to cap it and the Marlon Jackson picks. You know, everything kind of speaks to itself after that. This was just, you know, once the Colts got back into it, I, I mean, really, it was kind of, I think Klecko scored the touchdown to, to, to tie it up kind of late third quarter. Then it was kind of back and forth. Um, yeah. You know, throughout the fourth quarter, a lot of teams settled, a lot of both teams kind of settled in for, for field goals and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, Peyton, the, the, the other play that I remember is on that final drive, um, and then Peyton tells a great story, as he does in so many stories, about how throughout, you know, seldom used tight end, Brian Fletcher, always would come up to Peyton and be like, I'm open, I'm open, like this and that. Like, Peyton would just be like, dude, shut up. Like, I have Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, <laughs> Dallas Clark, and, like, you're acting like you're, you know, some first-out Hall of Famer. And sure enough, early in that drive, um, the Fletcher had been talking to him, trust me, this route is open, this route is open. I think it was kind of a second and long, and Manning is able to find Fletcher down the sideline for a huge play that goes over 30 yards, and that kind of got everything going with that drive. And again, it's probably not as iconic as a guy scoring or Marlon Jackson's interception or, or things like that, but it's certainly a play that I, that I think about, and I was still fairly, I mean, I guess what was I? I was probably a sophomore in high school. So, I mean, a little bit on the young side, but I just remember watching the news all that night. You know, the circles filled and downtown Indies filled and Archie Miller tells a great, or Archie Miller, gosh, shows you where my my head's at. Um, We're both a little off uh, this. Yeah, we're both a little (laughs) off this morning. We're going to blame the election and, uh, you know, Kevin's been working hard with all this uh, COVID stuff, so... Uh, please forgive us. We're 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 a little off. We'll, we'll get it figured out. We'll get back on the straight and narrow. Yeah, here we are. Uh, Archie Manning told a great story about how you know Peyton kind of comes out to the car after the game, and Archie's there with Olivia. You know, I think Peyton says something like, "Hey, let's just go back to." I'm not sure if they're going back to maybe Peyton's condo downtown or if they're going to his house or, or what. But Archie was just like, "Let's just drive around downtown Indy." Oh, like, that's really cool. Let's just soak it. To kind of soak it all in, for you know the Super Bowl's not for two weeks, Peyton. You just got the ultimate monkey off your back. Let's just do that. So I that, that, that's kind of and Peyton, I think, eventually agreed to it. Uh, but kind of a cool moment of you know the ultimate you know robot and always thinking about the next play, and the next game. He was able to kind of relish in that moment and obviously see what he had done to the city. And at that point, and some people might argue still to this day. It's, you know, the greatest moment in, in court's franchise history. Absolutely. Um, I can remember vividly just all the the next two weeks on the radio, Will Smith, Miami is played. So we go to Miami down to play the Chicago Bears with a with another Indiana connection. Rex Grossman is the starting QB for the Chicago Bears. Um, pretty solid Bears team, you know, known for their defense. You got Brian Erlacher. Uh, I believe Lance Briggs was another linebacker for this team um, mm-hmm. and just yeah. a big weapon. 
Devin Hester was kind of the big question mark. Is can we contain this guy? Can we stop him from these big explosive plays? And as we find out in the opening kickoff, the quickest touchdown in Super Bowl history <laughs> with Devin Hester returning the opening kickoff um, for a touchdown. And you're just sitting there going, what a great start. Uh, we kick it to this guy and he takes it to the house. Yeah, another funny story there. Tony Dungy always says that you know, all week long, the Colts plan, we aren't going to kick to him. We aren't going to kick to him. You know, he can, their offense isn't potent enough to you know, score against us. We're not going to let their special teams do that. And this just shows you how crazy special teams guys are. They're all talking Tony into it. No, no, no. Trust me. We can cover it. We can, you know, whatever. We got it, coach. We can do this. Yeah. And just, yeah, boy. And the special teams guys for a reason. So Tony listens to him. And sure enough, Hester does what I think Ted Ginn did in the national title game. I believe it was either the national title game right before that against Florida or um, or the national title game right, right after that. Um, but I mean, that was really it. I mean, the defense was just outstanding, obviously pouring down rain in Miami. I think we all remember that, you know, Reggie, uh, hauling that iconic lost the pass in the end zone where he kind of baskets, catches it. And I remember his famous quote was, if I were to drop that, they would have had me at the bottom of Eagle Creek once I got back to Indy, which is kind of always a funny Reggie line there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't the prettiest game by any means yeah. weather wise. And, uh, you know, Kelvin Hayden has the has the icer on it of the uh, of the pick six, but yeah, just watching Bob Sanders throughout that playoff run. I mean, that stands out to me. I mean, Peyton is very methodical, and Dominic Rhodes had a big game catching balls out of the backfield. But Peyton didn't make any really backbreaking mistakes by anything. Um, so yeah, it was just you know, if you ask those players, they will still point to that AFC title game. But the AFC title game to me is made even sweeter by the validation of them winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, if if you don't finish that off, you still have that dangling, you know, carrot over over that tenure over the greatest era in, in regular season history. So, you know, finally Peyton uh, it probably wasn't the MVP to be honest with you. At least shouldn't have yeah. been the MVP. But it just goes back to you know, something I think we talked about on the last pod of Bill Polian saying. You know, once we got Booger McFarland, once we, you know, Bob Sanders is now healthy, you know, there's so many pieces that have to be in place. And you know this full well. You know, the best teams don't always go on the yeah, long run. Absolutely. And I think back to those Butler, which I know that we'll, we'll, we'll do this eventually, but those Butler tournament teams, I mean, they beat Murray State by like two points, I think, one year in round um, one. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, and, you know, rest the saw, I think Andrew Smith maybe had a tip in to beat. Yeah, Pitt, Old Dominion, I, well, or, or yeah, Pittsburgh Old Dominion, or and like Pittsburgh. They needed like a game winner. Yeah, there was a lot of just you know it's the crazy stuff that that obviously has to happen very early on um, to, to you know have those those sorts of runs. So um, not great fourth quarter drama really in any of the games outside of the AFC title game. But uh, you know Peyton finally gets uh, gets that ultimate prize on his Hall of Fame resume. And I think sports fans just so underrate, especially football is just the ultimate team game of just how good your team has to be for you to win. Um, you know, one guy in football can do a lot, but it takes, uh, again, I don't want to be in the coach cliche world, but 
it really takes 22 guys. It takes a good offense. It takes a good defense. There's been some really, really talented guys. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is an example. You know, some people have him in the all-time great conversation. Um, and that guy's won one Super Bowl and, you know, ha- has really struggled in the playoffs and, and hasn't got, you know, as far as many people think he should. And I think this was validation for Peyton. You know, not only is he that incredible staple, that steady Eddie for us, but now he's got he's got some help. He's got some offensive weapons and, and the defense finally, finally steps up and really plays Super Bowl winning type of uh, football and and to get that monkey off your back is huge uh, huge for the city brings a, a Super Bowl kind of validates the franchise and and all the moves they've made and, and just just such a huge deal for you know I would consider us a small market in Indy yeah um, and you know to think back to you know the earlier pod we did about you know the Baltimore Colts and, and moving here to Indianapolis and like you said to finally have the validation as your city and you know this is probably you know kind of the ultimate passing of the torch at least during that time and i i would argue still today of you know the Pacers are struggling during these kind of few years uh post brawl and you're able to have the super bowl trophy you get a super bowl to your city you know a handful of years later um yes yeah, there's some roster turnover and marvin and tar and leave and and decide to hang it up and you aren't able to pay everybody on the defensive side of the ball and things like that. But um, and as we sit here today, you know, who would ever thought at that point, you know, that would be, you know, if you're going to tell somebody right then and there, you know, Peyton, you know, is at least going to stay healthy for the next, you know, four or five years, and then you're going to turn around and draft who some people are calling the next Peyton, and you only go to one more Super Bowl. It, it, you know, just goes back to how difficult it is, and that's why, you know, when you get in the dance, I mean, anything can happen, and you know, if you're going to rank these four playoff games for Peyton in the 2006 season, no one would call this, honestly, probably anywhere near top five or top ten. I mean, yeah, maybe the, yeah. the AFC title game just because of the drive late. But still, he was really poor in that first half. But yet, you know, you, you, you're able to lean on your defense and you're out of the necessary kicking it in the divisional round and, um, you know, able to put together a playoff run that is the only – Super Bowl title in, uh, in the Indianapolis Colts history. Yeah, it's ironic that you have this legendary quarterback stats stuffer, you know, and arguably his worst playoff run as a quarterback is the year that they win the Super Bowl. So it's funny how yeah. sometimes, you know, things align and things work out, but, um, you know, just a huge deal for the city. I mean, not just football wise, I think economic wise. I mean, now you start mm-hmm. to see, you know, Lucas Oil Stadium's going to be built. We're going to host a Super Bowl. It really puts Indy on the map as one of these premier football franchises. And uh, again, gosh, just having a guy like Peyton can change your city. I mean, not just your franchise. It can change your city and your state um, for decades to come. And, And I think some people don't really give Peyton the credit that he deserves on that. But this Super Bowl really solidified the Colts. Um, so again, incredible, incredible time for the Colts. Um, moving on, I'm going to kind of lump 2007 and 2008 together because um, they kind of have similar endings, and, and I'll explain what happens. Um, 2007 uh, is the year. This is the Patriots year that I remember. The Patriots go undefeated, um, and like it's amazing. The Colts go 13 and three, and they're like 
the under story that no one's talking about. It's like any other year, 13 and three, Peyton throws for 4,000 yards, 31 touchdowns. And it's just like, uh, just another year. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of people built up the playoffs as this huge rematch. It's going to be the Colts versus the Patriots. Um, you know, they had battled, I think during the regular season was really close game. A lot of people were setting this up to be this big playoff match and there's one problem (laughs) the Colts lose to the Chargers at home before the AFC championship Uh, they fall to the Chargers 28 to 24 Um, and the thing that I remember about this game is uh, did Phillip Rivers get hurt at the end I think Phillip Rivers gets injured or goes down and Volick I can't remember the guy's He tore his ACL. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, the backup yeah, yeah. comes in and leads this Billy, drive. Billy freaking Bullock. Billy freaking Bullock comes in and leads Billy a drive with four minutes to go to take the lead. Like, the balls on this guy. You know, he's been sitting off. He never expects to play. And then he comes in and leads this unbelievable comeback um, and, and takes the lead with four minutes to go. And then... You know, I, I don't think Peyton was able to to kind of lead that drive down to score. Um, but just kind of a disappointing end of that season. I think a, a lot of NFL fans wanted to see that that remake, uh, rematch between, you know, this undefeated Patriots team and still a very successful, on top of their game, Colts team. I think a lot of Colts players from that era would consider this team maybe their best, probably 2005 more than best. But this would probably be right up there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you've got the rivalry. Uh, and the undefeated team, and you can't get over the Chargers and Rivers. Is, is this the final? I'm pretty sure it's the final game for the Arcado ever. Yes. Um, he got Rivers running his mouth, walking off the field when he gets hurt, and Bullet comes in the game. And Rivers actually played in the AFC title game the next week. Um, he had surgery, I want to say, like right after the game on like a meniscus. Wow. Some sort of some, something that like could have been repaired. Um, and then played and just heavily braced it up and, you know, it's not like you can move anyways. So, yeah, just, you know, obviously full circle 13 years later, how crazy it seems. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, a, a really good Colts team and how great of a game by Manning. Three touchdowns at 400 yards and yet you lose. It's just, it's funny how, you know, things play out like that. Yeah, it's, it's so weird because, you know, in 2006, he, doesn't really play that great, and they go win a Super Bowl. And then, hell, in 2007, he plays unbelievable. He throws for 400 yards, three touchdowns, and they lose. And it's just like, I I hate when you get into that nitpick, you know, with Manning or Brady or, you know, other sports, uh, that nitpicking of, oh, well, they haven't got enough rings. It's like, what could Peyton have done more? (laughs) He threw for 400 yards and three touchdowns. They just didn't win. You know, things didn't go their way, and I think we penalize, you know, these greats when they don't win a Super Bowl every year. You know, the thing that stands out about the end of 2007, uh, Peyton does go to the Super Bowl, uh, supports his brother Eli, and their upset of the Patriots. So kind of a cool moment to see him there cheering on his younger brother. Um, again, you don't get to see that very much. Had a parade in Indy just for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, I've never seen Colts no. fans cheer so hard. 
uh, against <laughs> another team and for some other team from the NFC like they did in 2007 in that incredible Super Bowl game. <laughs> Super Bowl game. Um, yeah, there was people uh, with uh, the 18 and one shirts everywhere in Indy um, and, and just never letting Tom Brady live that one down. Never, never. And I, I was luckily was fortunate to go to the Super Bowl 2012, you know, here at Lucas Oil. And yeah, the Giants, you know, did it again to the Patriots and, you know, in Peyton's home and all that, or at least his old home, I guess, at that time. But yeah, uh, just hilarious how it played out. But, you know, that's kind of the story 2007, 2008. It's, you know, really good years. 2008, we probably remember more for, you know, unfortunately the, the tragic death of, of Tony Dunkey's son, but you get in the playoffs. You run into this Chargers team that continue to have your number in a much different way. You know, 2008 when it goes Darren Sproles, you know, was huge in that game, and Mike Stiefer. I remember their, their, yeah. their punter controlling field position all game, which is that something that you think about? But just kind of weird how the division played out that year, and the Colts had to go on the road and and uh, you know couldn't couldn't get uh, back to that AFC title game. Yeah, this is just such a. <sighs> stupid rule to me within you know the NFL's playoff scope is if you win the division you get to host a playoff game and people forget like the Colts are 12 and 4 in 2008 and Peyton goes for his third MVP so it's just like another I call it like a standard of excellence it's just like oh there's Peyton going again for 27 touchdowns 4,000 passing yards and all this stuff and the Chargers are four and eight, four and eight with four games to go. And they rattle off four wins and somehow win their division at eight and eight. And they get to host a playoff game. And the Colts have to go to San Diego, even though they're 12 and four, and play the Chargers. And again, football is a momentum sport. Uh, the Chargers come in with all this momentum. They ride a huge game from Darren Sproles. Oh my gosh, 150 yards, two touchdowns. And again, just one of those seasons where the Colts, again, just things did not work out in the playoffs, take a loss in the, uh, the divisional round and, and don't even get back to the AFC title. And following this loss, uh, this was Tony Dungy's last game that he coached for the Colts. He retires. Yeah, when you look at, um, I, I guess I didn't realize, honestly, I was in charge of 4-8 at that point. That's, that's incredible. Um, it just makes it sting even more. Uh, you know, having to go 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 through that that, um, but this is probably a team we don't talk about that much. You know, 2007, you know, great team. I think everyone remembers kind of the Rivers Volick, um, you know, game to close it out. Obviously, 2006, you have the Super Bowl, and 2009, which we'll get to in just a second, and just an unbelievable run there, and probably you know the best team that you had. But yeah, not a lot of talk about this 2008 season and. Um, you know, losing in the, you know, in overtime, which is a brutal way. I, I still remember Clint Session, linebacker, kind of chucking his helmet after Sproles, you know, rattled off that, that, that game winning touchdown. So, yeah, this was kind of, you know, you don't really feel it now, but the Colts were starting to kind of miss up some draft picks during this time. You know, you hadn't had the same success drafting, which, I mean, you drafted at an absurd rate, you know late 90s, early 2000s, but just a few maybe chinks in the armor of how long can you sustain this because the contracts are building and you really got to hit on draft picks, but 
that's something that kind of started to show up here in the late 2000s. Yes, and then that leads us to 2009. Um, the only other Super Bowl ap- appearance uh, for the Colts by Manning, but again, his fourth MVP season. We're going to talk about this season. I mean, just another incredible season by Peyton. Um, you know, uh, some notables that stand out to me. Uh, I think you get into week nine. Peyton becomes the first quarterback to throw over 40,000 yards in a decade. <laughs> he spent the 2000s just tearing up the NFL. I mean, that's an average of 4,000 plus yards every single year for an entire decade. Um, you know, and against the Tex- Texans in week nine, he throws a career high 40 pass attempts in the first half. <laughs> And they go on to win that game. Um, I think another notable game is Week 10. There's a one-point victory over the Patriots um, in which Peyton just dominates 327 yards, four touchdown passes, and again, just setting the tone for that season. As we get into Week 15, uh, the Colts will play the Jaguars. Manning won his 23rd consecutive regular season game. 23 in a row. The, you know how hard it is to win two in a row in the NFL? And I mean, there's, I, I, I guess I kind of forgot, John, until you, you mentioned that, that yeah, they really got off to a mediocre start in 2008. That was the first year at Lucas Oil. Yeah. They lost the first game uh, in Chicago. I think Peyton was hurt. I think that was the year Peyton was hurt in the offseason. Didn't really practice much in camp at all. Um, and burst his sack or something, I don't know, something weird in his knee. Uh, but then they rattled off, you know, a great close in 2008. And then that spills over 2009 and, and starting 14-0. It, it's just ridiculous. 23 consecutive. I mean, there's franchises that haven't won 23 games in the last four or five years. I mean, to win 23 <laughs> in a row, um, it, it's just crazy. I mean, I, people really don't appreciate what Peyton Manning did over the course of these years. It's just ridiculous. I mean, just the numbers are absurd. 23 wins in a row. Uh, again, this season he has seven game-winning drives. And like you said earlier, they started off the season 14-0. and And there's a lot of debate about the end of this season. What, what were your thoughts on the end of this season? Yeah, I mean, you know, looking back on it, I feel like at the time maybe I wasn't as mad. But now that I've grown to appreciate how difficult it is to – win at the rate that they were winning, especially that season, like you have to go for the end of the season. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. it's just, and I'm not this person that like believes in, you know, bad juju or whatever you want to call it. Like you're 14 and 0. Yeah. And you're playing the Jets and they had a couple score lead. And then, you know, it, 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 it would have been really weird because if they beat the Jets, the next week they're going to play in Buffalo or they did play in Buffalo. And it was like a blizzard. In that yeah, game. So that would have been just hilarious yeah. to see them, you yeah. know, trying to get to 16 and 0 in this awful weather. But still, I mean, you know, when's the last time we've had an NFL team get that late in the season, you know, with a chance? Yeah. And here we are, not even at the halfway point of this year, and Pittsburgh is the only undefeated team. And like, you already even hear the whispers of Pittsburgh of like, you know, yeah, we would want to go for that if we ever got there. And, you know, a very Polian like move. Um, to decide that, to pull those guys in the middle of that week 16 game, especially at Lucas Oil um, as well. So, yeah, I mean, at the time, I'm like, well, you got to stay healthy. And you're probably thinking, like, boy, you just think about Bob Sanders and his health, you know, in recent years and just like things like that. But, 
yeah, now looking back on it, the ability to try and achieve that feat is just so difficult that I think that they should have gone for it. Yeah, as a coach, I'm just such a firm believer in, in momentum. I think momentum in sports is just such an underrated thing. I mean, you see it in basketball. When a team goes on a run, you want to call a timeout if you're the opposing coach. you got to get them off their game. you got to get the momentum back. And I think in football, it's the same thing. You often see these teams that are kind of hitting their stride at the end of the year. I mean, I think the Giants, both years they won the Super Bowl, were I think they were the wild card team. I think they kind of struggled throughout right. the regular season. And then towards the end, they started to get this momentum. They get a playoff win, and you start to see, you know, they trend upwards. And I think – you know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but you would have loved to see this team really try to, to go undefeated, go with some momentum into the playoffs. Um, you know, gosh, it's tough. I I feel for the GMs and, and those guys that have to make these decisions because if you're fourteen and zero and you've locked up your seed, and then you put Peyton out there in the blizzard, and he and he gets injured in this kind of meaningless quote unquote meaningless game, then you're you know then you're an idiot and then everybody's criticizing. But I agree with you. I think it's just one of those things. It's just so rare that just go for it. It's just a mentality thing. It's kind of like, are you conservative or are you aggressive? Like go for it. And you're starting to see that more. I think with coaches today, it's like, Hey, it's fourth and one go for it. Hey, we got a chance to go 16 and 0. let's go for it. So totally agree with you. I would have loved to see them try to go 16 and 0. Yeah, I, I, I totally hear the health thing. And obviously when they got to the Super Bowl, you know, a big part of, you know, that loss outside of the onside kick and the Tracy Porter pick six was that Dwight Freeney had a pretty serious ankle injury and just wasn't his normal self in that game. I think he got the breeze one, but still, you just, he didn't have that same just sort of what you're used to Dwight bringing off the edge in that game. But I mean, this is a pretty flawless two-game playoff runs against the Super Bowl, you know, you're able to you know, pretty easily beat the Ravens in the divisional round, and then you have the Jets in the AFC title game, and I know you're down early, but still kind of pulled away there, so um, but by far, you know, up until the Super Bowl, this was the better team of the two Super Bowl teams, without question, and I would say the Saints are clearly a much more competent opponent than, uh, than who you had back in 2006 with the Bears. Yeah, and you know, luckily for the Colts, they get into the playoffs um, and just again kind of will their way to some victories. Uh, they open up with the Ravens with a twenty to three win. Um, defense steps up again, holding the Ravens to three points, um, and, and then leads them to the AFC Championship against kind of a surprising opponent. They go against the Jets, who they had just previously played uh, in what was it week sixteen. Um, you know, their first loss and they actually get down 11 points. I think a lot of people were nervous because the Colts get down, um, you know, Mark Sanchez, Rex Ryan's got the team, you know, the defense playing well. And I think a lot of Colts fans were nervous going into this game down 11. Yeah, I guess I kind of, I kind of forgot that was the team that they did play, um, a few weeks earlier. So yeah, down 11 to that defense, definitely not what you want by any means, but, um, so yeah, they're able to. You know, quickly turn that game around, and uh, outside of the Freeney injury, you know you had to feel pretty good uh, heading into that Super Bowl. You know, back in Florida. Yeah, so they come back and they're playing the Saints. Uh, another Indiana connection, Drew Brees out of Purdue, 
And the Colts, man, gosh, this is just one of those games where you can nitpick and you can go back and you can look at so many individual plays. And, and I think that's what frustrates me about football sometimes is one play can just totally affect a game. One turnover, one bad snap, one, you know, and it's such a, uh, there's just so little room for error. And in this game, the Colts, again, with a little bit of experience, they had played in a Super Bowl before. Um, they're kind of the experienced guys now, and they get up 10-0. to They get up 10-0. to They're kind of, uh, man, they're playing well, and they're, they're about to go into halftime. The Saints make a little bit of a run towards the end of the first half to cut it to 10-6, to and I don't want to depress you, <laughs> but what happens out of halftime? What, what's your memories from this play right out of halftime? You know, I again, hindsight is so 2020, but I, I go back to um, when they were up 10-0, Pierre Garçon had a drop down the middle of the field that could have put them up 17 nothing. And at the time, yeah, you know, you punch the couch or whatever. Uh, you don't put maybe as much stock to it, but, uh, you know, yeah, the Beyonce kick. Uh, you remember Hank Basket and just the inability of him to, to haul that in. You know, it wasn't like a total, total surprise where, you know, the Saints just literally caught the Colts off guard like none other, and they recovered it. And the Colts off, I mean, Hank Basket had it right there and muffed it, and the Saints get on it, long scrum, and you know, it, it was their rookie punter. You know, he's still in the league, Thomas Morstead. He does it, and Sean Payton told a great story about how the long halftime probably had him thinking more about it and all that, and yet he comes out, and the rookie kicker is an unbelievable onside kick, and then basket, you know, isn't able to uh, to come up with it. And like you said, you know, game of momentum, and it's all with the Saints at that point. And just as a, as a special team guy, that's just your only job. That's that literally what you what's going through your mind is that guy's about to kick it. Is like this could be an onside. I mean, that's got to be something that they just working are working on every single week and and in preparation. So I know he got a lot of flack. He was dating a Playboy model and all that stuff, but um, <laughs> just a horrible play, a horrible momentum shift in the game. The Saints get the ball, they go down and score. And make it, you know, now it's 13 to 10. All the momentum's with the Saints. Um, but again, kind of a back and forth game. Um, you know, the Colts are able to score. Uh, it, it goes back and back. The Saints score. They go 24 to 17 with five minutes, 42 seconds left. And you're just thinking, you guys gave Peyton too much time. Like five minutes, that's, that's nothing to him. Um, and, and, you know, the Colts are driving down. They get to the Saints' 31-yard line. Uh, it's third and five. And just another just play that doesn't go the Colts' way. Um, you know, I, I know Reggie Wayne's trying to kind of run a slant, and there was debate over whose fault it was. You know, did Peyton kind of force it in there? Did, did Reggie not fight for the ball or at least cut as hard as he could on that slant? But, again, um, you know, Tracy Porter's able to intercept that or a pick six takes it back and kind of seals the game with, with that interception. Yeah, tons of debate. I, I've never had a great, great read on you know, whose fault it was. I think you just kind of tipped your hand a little bit because Tracy Porter just made a beautiful break on it. And at the time, probably the greatest moment in, in, in Indiana football history. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it just 
you know, when you got to that point, it's like you played with fire with the dark zone drop. You certainly played with fire with the onside kick. You know, you, you, you still were behind the eight ball a good amount at that point. So, uh, you know, a ball maybe Peyton would love to have back and probably a route that, uh, that, um, obviously Reggie would like to have back as well. Yeah. And, and this was that, I mean, kind of post hurricane Katrina, the saints, again, I, I think people underestimate was kind of this, I don't want to say team of destiny. I don't, you know, I don't want to get into all that, but just a lot of momentum for them, uh, to kind of to win a super bowl for that city. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of a feel good story, but sometimes you forget there's another side to the feel good story and that's Colts fans who, you know, ended up on the losing side of that super bowl. So, you know, it was good to see Drew Brees and that franchise win a Super Bowl after all they had been through. Uh, but, you know, also you feel like, gosh, this is just another opportunity squandered for just a legendary player like Peyton Manning and a really, really good Colts football team that was undefeated. You know, hell, could have gone undefeated that year. Right. Yeah. And again, the better team they had in 2006. And you think about it as well. Of this, is this the end? Is this? Are you nearing the end? You know, guys are approaching the age of 30. I've reached the age of 30. Some injuries are starting to pile up. Bob Sanders, you know, at this point, had pretty much fallen apart, you know, from a body standpoint. You know, it was Reggie Wayne and a bunch of kind of struggling wideouts. Garcon's kind of emerging, but, you know, Anthony Gonzalez, you know, hadn't worked out. Like I said, you're missing on some drafts of, you know, Tony Hugo being drafted and, um, you know, just Donald Brown, you know, how is that going to work out, you know, and, and, and things like that. So uh, looking back on it, this might have been their best team. And you know, I still point to kind of week 15 and yeah, I don't know, you know, maybe a month and a half later, maybe that doesn't play into it. But I just feel like that was a mistake that Bill Pulley made late in the season. And, uh, you know, ultimately it ended with a cold sleeve in Florida. I got finished as a runner up. Yeah, and like you said, it, it kind of signals a changing of the guard of, of what are we going to do with this franchise moving forward? Um, we got some injuries. Guys are getting older. You know how how much more can we sustain this? How how much longer can we hold on to this? And that gets us into 2010, uh, Peyton's last healthy year with the Colts. Um, you know the Colts finished 10 and six. They do win the AFC South seventh time in eight years. Man. Peyton's the uh, he's the first quarterback in NFL history to lead his team to nine consecutive postseasons, 2002 to 2010. So just an incredible run. I mean, gosh, you just forget how good they were for this decade. Um, you know, the Colts season ends with a 17 to 16 loss to the New York Jets in the wild card round. Um, so just kind of an uneventful kind of uh, ending to that season. Um, and it plays out into the next season. Uh, so, I mean, what are your memories kind of to this tail end of 2010 and going into 2011? Yeah, it, you know, I remember they had to get hot late in the year to, to even get into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, losing to the Jets in round one, I, I just, I remember some horrible game management by Jim Caldwell and Antonio Camardi having a huge kick return. Um, late in that game to kind of put the Jets in eventual game-winning field goal range as well. And 
Yeah, you just, you know, at, at the time, you don't necessarily think it's the end. Obviously, you had no idea where Peyton was at a health, you know, from a health standpoint. But I guess I'll go back to what you said earlier. I mean, nine straight playoff appearance. I mean, like, what? Nine straight? You know, I mean, right now we're sitting in a, the four out of five years the first time made the playoffs. It's yeah. Another of the umpteenth stats that you just take for granted with that era. Yeah, 2011 is a weird, weird time in Colts franchise history. Uh, Peyton needs surgery. Now, what's weird is he signs a five-year deal. So he's got a five-year, $90 million contract that he's kind of negotiating uh, to, to make some room and, and to adjust that contract. But he ends up getting neck surgery. Um, and, and there's a lot of debate of how this played out. Uh, but the rumors were kind of, uh, kind of running, you know, that he his arm wasn't able to really get that same throw in motion. His strength had diminished, um, and then they revealed later that he needs spinal fusion surgery. So holy cow, you you have this kind of aged veteran, you know, legend quarterback that now has had some serious surgeries. I mean, spinal fusion. I mean what does that do and just the reports of his diminished throws and his arm strength there was a lot of question marks going into this 2011 season sons 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 and you know so many conflicting reports and stories on Peyton's health and you know, Bill Poling being told before the start of the year from a team doctor that you know Peyton won't play all season and that you know he leaves Peyton on the roster you know until December I I I think it was, and um, you know, still thinking, oh, there's a chance he might play. And I think there's some reports kind of late in the year of Peyton holding a closed practice where you know he kind of tested out his arm. Uh, obviously, just a terrible season for the Colts, and Dan Orlovsky somehow saves it late in the year from being 0 and 16 and whatnot. And you know, Andrew Luck turning down. I think it was the Panthers that maybe had that number one overall pick, the, the 2011. Draft, which Luck decided to stay in school. Yeah, because they took Cam Newton. Yeah. One overall. Um, and, and, you know, Andrew probably would have gone one then. And then now you have the decision that <laughs> we can probably say for a, for a separate oh pod. Oh, gosh. Is, you know, did the Colts make the right move? You know, those sorts of things. Um, so much to play off there. But, um, yeah, just obviously, you know, very disappointing end to it all. This is not how yeah. anyone envisioned it. But, Unfortunately, this is the reality of pro sports, and yeah. the Hollywood endings don't often happen. And you know, we saw it with Michael, and we saw it with you know, I don't know if we'll see it with Brady, but the guys just don't you know finish in their primes, and oftentimes don't finish in the cities that that they were drafted in, and, and that's obviously what happened here. Yeah, I think you make a great point, and I think it goes back to kind of your linear metaphor it's just like we we envision these careers that just play out and you keep getting better and you keep getting better then you know you finish on the mountaintop and you retire off into the sunset and everybody loves you and that's not the reality a lot of these legends um for whatever reason they they don't end up on the same team as they started they kind of hang on too long they get injured and kind of become a shell of themselves and that was kind of the question mark that the, the Colts franchise had to make right here is just what do you do with Peyton? You have the number one overall pick, you know, obviously they're going to get luck and Peyton's coming off these major surgeries and you don't know what type of player he's going to be. 
and they ultimately decide to, you know, go their separate ways. And I don't know if Colts fans will ever fully uh, get over this. I, I don't think they'll ever fully forgive the Colts for this, um, especially seeing what he did for the Broncos. I mean, it, it just had to be a knife in the chest with him going and having the success and the MVP season and the Super Bowl and and just saying, like, that could have been our guy. We could have had that for, you know, three, four more years, and, and we let it go. So, you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on the way that ended, the press conference, and, and just kind of the end of Manning's career in Indianapolis? Yeah, I, you know, maybe a cliff note version because I, I, I do think we can spend an entire one just on this, on this debate. So I, I don't want to give too much, but I think you're just in such a hard financial state with this hat. Um, again, the aging veterans that you had of, you know, Clark, Creaney, Mathis, Wayne, Gary Brackett, uh, Jeff Saturday. I mean, I know I'm missing even some other guys, but just all of those guys, either needing another contract or have reached the age of 30, you're sitting there as the number one overall pick and you've got this can't miss prospect and all of that. Um, and, and, you know, who knows? And I think Peyton would be the first to admit, I don't even think he missed what he yeah. had left in him and while well, he goes to Denver and has a you know unbelievable first couple of seasons I mean you saw how quickly it, it did go for him um you know after about two years there just physically throwing it and whatnot so um yeah I I tend to side with what the Colts did I know again hindsight can be so 2020 and obviously it plays out that you know, Andrew never had anywhere near the type of career that anyone would have thought. But, uh, but still, you know, I, I I think at the time it was the right, but very very difficult, very difficult, um, and emotional decision for Jim Mercer to have to make. Yeah, and I will say, you know, usually the departures are are kind of bitter. I mean, if if you look at how Brady has left the Patriots. It, it, not the send off that you expect for a five time Super Bowl champion and all this stuff, like, or has he won six? I can't even remember. Holy cow. Um, you know, Peyton did get a, a great send off. I, I mean, gosh, I can remember um, just what it meant to Colts fans. I mean, people literally crying at the press conference or, or watching it because of what he meant to the franchise, what he meant to the city. And just the people's bond with that quarterback. He'd been our quarterback for, you know, what was it, 14 years, 13 years? And just right. to to not know what the future holds, you know, you're just like, gosh, I, I, this has been my life, has been Peyton Manning as our quarterback. And, you know, I think they did do a good job of doing that justice. But, again, doesn't hurt, <laughs> it doesn't help the pain of, of seeing your favorite quarterback go. No, not at all. And just the gut-wrenching quote of a, you know, teeth chattering, emotional Peyton saying, you know, thank you for letting me be your quarterback. I think it's, I'll never forget leaving a, a, a Kelly School business class down at IU and, and just sitting in the hallway watching that presser and hearing that. Just, boy, that'll, uh, I don't know if I consider myself an emotional human being, but that certainly tugged up some, some, some strings there. So yeah, that's, uh, that is a, that is a, a, a nice, 40-minute podcast that I see us breaking down, you know, somewhat, yeah. somewhat soon. 
Yeah. I mean, like you said, we could do a whole podcast unto that um, for 40, 50 minutes. Um, all right. I'm just going to kind of recap. Uh, I will read some numbers now because I want to keep this in, per- in perspective for everybody. Um, Peyton's career, career numbers. And again, I, I think one thing that kind of hurts Peyton's legacy and how we view him is that he was sandwiched in between two of the other greatest quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, you know, numbers wise, Drew Brees and Tom Brady, um, who have, you know, very similar, similar numbers. If you take those two guys out, I mean, oh my gosh, you know, Peyton passed for 71,000, almost 72,000 yards, 539 passing touchdowns. He had five MVPs, 14 time pro bowler, seven time all pro two time Super Bowl champ. And an overall record as a quarterback of 186 and 79. That's 70 percent of his games he won. Um, that's just mind-boggling. I, I will we ever see guys like Breeze and, and Brady and now Manning? Will we ever see guys like this? The the the, the raw maybe individual seasons possibly just because it's such a pass happy league, but the longevity and the winning that goes with it. I don't think so. I mean, I, that, yeah. that, that, that's just rare. And you know, I talked to Mike Chappell often, who was from the folks since they moved from Baltimore, and he's in charge of presenting Peyton at the Hall of Fame, which, you know, Peyton will be a first balloter next year. And, you know, Chapp says all the time, and you just run off some of those bullet points. Like, usually, like, I think the Edger James presentation lasts, I don't know, a handful of minutes when you debate it, you know, in the room for 10 or 15 minutes amongst voters. Chaps like literally, I will stand up and say two words: Peyton Manning, <laughs> and then sit back down, and everybody in the room will raise their hand, and that'll be it. Yeah, and then you move on. I mean, <laughs> there's not many players in NFL history that you can say that about, but he is certainly you know one of the few. Yeah, and, and again, like I said in the first episode, I'm guilty of it just just as much as anybody, uh, just taking for granted uh, like how good he was, and just that that extension of greatness over a decade and just how rare that is. And just, you look back and you're just like, Oh my gosh, how, how is this possible? These, these numbers are crazy. The consistency is crazy. And, and the thing I love about Peyton Manning is just how he carried himself. I, I think that's what separates him as, as a legendary guy. Is again, I know he gets a lot of flack for the commercials and you know, uh, those things, but he, he really carried himself the right way. He, he was a great teammate. He was, again, the guy that you want to represent your franchise, represent your city, represent your league. Um, and, and, again, we may never see another Peyton Manning. Yeah, I'm second in honor with work ethic and um, just how he approached the position and then also just a great grasp, which credit to his dad for a lot of this, just knowing what he meant outside of that locker room to the city, Children's Hospital, you know, obviously Lucas Oil Stadium, you know, get, helping us get a Super Bowl here. So all of those things just mean so, so much. And you know, I've said it to people before. I, I, I don't think or I, I don't know if I have the job I have today without him being a cold quarterback for nearly a decade and a half. I don't think that's yeah. hyperbole to say that. Um, he's just impacted so many people directly and indirectly here and continues to do so, even though he you know, hasn't played here. And, uh, a decade, which is kind of crazy to yeah. say out loud. Now that I said that, yeah, it's nuts. It's been a decade since he's been the quarterback here. Wow, I, I'm getting old. 
That makes me feel old now. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But again, we we hope you guys like this. Uh, take a look back. Maybe take a break from all the election hoopla <laughs> and, and get into your nostalgia and take a listen into these Manning years and and really try to keep it in perspective. Um, you know, we, we'll try to get into some future episodes. We want to get back into some basketball topics. So if there's anything you want to hear, maybe those Butler years. Bobby Knight, IU years. We could talk some high school basketball. Just let us know. Again, Kevin Bowen, 1070, the fan. Uh, I'll kind of let him close it out with you know his remarks. And then again, you can reach out to me, Coach Ashworth on Twitter. Um, and then you know we're gonna we're gonna give Kevin a little bit of a break. <laughs> he needs a you know like a two week vacation. So next week we're gonna have a special episode on the Monon Bell game. I'll have a special guest joining me. Um, it's the first time in over 100 years that the Monon Bell game has not been played. So we are going to do a special episode on that. And uh, we hope to have you guys back for some future episodes. So, again, I'll let Kevin uh, kind of close it out. And, again, thanks for joining us, Kevin. Uh, this was Indiana Legends. Yeah, k Bell sent me on Twitter. And I appreciate you guys listening. And definitely check out next week. And uh, we'll talk to you here after the Colts uh, quiet, quiet down after playing two games in uh, five days next week. All right, thanks, Kevin. Uh, playoffs? I'm talking about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Hey, hey, I, hey, we're calling the f- plays, all right? We gotta run the ball. We're gonna 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 run the ball. Omaha! 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 I truly have enjoyed being your quarterback.